You're listening to a Time Machine podcast. Old movie Time Machine. An adventure through time and or space. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Old Movie Time Machine. On this show, we are watching color films made in the old U.S. of A. between the years of 1945 and 1965, and we're using them as windows into the past. We climb through these windows, and we take a poke around in the world beyond. And while we do this, we're going to be asking some critical questions, such as these people that we are encountering on the other side of the window. Who are these people? What are their habits? What decisions are they making and why? Also, how are they treating each other? Also, also, and inarguably the most important aspect, what are they wearing and what do their living rooms look like? And at the end of the program, we will give you our our final assessment on behalf of all of humanity today in the 21st century. Hey, guys, this movie that we just watched, the one we were just poking around in, checking out, asking all these questions, critical questions. Do we keep watching this thing? Is this a thing that we pass on to the next generation? And will they be passing it on to their next generation? Or do we just kind of leave it on the shelf? Let it decompose. (laughs) It's weird to be. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Shrishma Nayak making an appearance with my voice, oddly enough. She commands my voice. It's like a genie curse. (laughs) She keeps it in her phone and taunts me with it sometimes. I'm your host through time and or space, Justin Zeppa, joined as ever by my international panel of experts and also the smartest people that I know. Starting on my left, as ever, Catherine Sherlock. Welcome, Catherine. Hello. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Lovely to see you. And on your left, the one, the only, Shrishma Nike. What's up, Shrishy Boo? Hey, guys. What's up? We're glad to see you. Thank you for joining. I am happy to be here. Okay, glad to hear it. Right. That's that's important for the, what we're about to do here for the next few hours. Okay, so, and on your left, across the ocean, my sister and yours, Carolyn Nowrose. Hey, sis. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Now, Thanks for it's great to have again. you, especially since we will not be having you for approximately the next half hour or so, minutes. because <laughs> we are recording this later, and it turns out that you are not recording on your end, yeah. your words, your valuable words. So oh, you're going to wow. be vanishing as soon as you give us your one-line review of the best of everything, but we will be catching up with you a third of the way through the program. So the movie we're talking about is The Best of Everything, made and released in 1959. Woo-hoo. Hey, that's right, everybody. We are continuing our series investigating the progress of a woman during the Cold War. So we started our investigation, Peyton Place, right? We saw those teens. They were in high school. They were having love affairs. They were going off to war. They were accusing one another of uh, abuse and rape and things like this, right? And then we followed those teens, those same teens, no, 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 different teens, different era. We followed them on their spring break down to Fort Lauderdale, and we learned how they exist in their lives and loves out on the beach, right? And now we're seeing what happens after college, you guys. What happens when a woman with a college education in the 1950s goes to the big city? That's right. We're back in New York City, everybody. It's the epicenter of the world. It's weak. We cannot escape the vacuum, the gravity of New York City in this era. All roads lead back to it. 
What happens when you go to the big city and you try to make it? We've heard a lot of rumors, right? Mm -hmm. We've seen what happened to Hilda Crane. Two divorces later and uh, marriage to a a mama's boy. Mm. I mean, broken woman, right? Mm -hmm. We've seen what happens to Cary Grant. Well, he gets, he's not a woman, first of all, but he gets kidnapped and he gets sent on an exciting adventure filled with espionage and uh, beautiful cantilevered houses. It's true. I don't know why I brought him up. I was thinking of other. <laughs> no, we've seen, we've seen what happens to, I can't remember her name from yeah, Peyton Place, but she either. leaves mm-hmm. and she also runs off for the Hilda Crane lifestyle. She, yes. and she makes it, right. she makes it as a writer, I believe. Uh, I mean, what is the story though? What happens when you get there and you're in the middle of, well, everything, right? New York City. Well, it turns out the same thing that happens when you stay at home, because in all three movies, <laughs> <laughs> there have been uh, rapes involved. Yeah. Uh, well, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I mean, I, well, I think there was one in this one. Well, not so much as a rape as like... There was a, there there was was a, a baby. There was a it was coercion. A, uh, I mean, I think it's all... It was, it's all it was pretty... all not good yeah and there was it was it was all very yeah we'll get to that Catherine. i mean mm. let's just start where we start right do you have a one-line review for the best of everything i do let's see if i can actually read my writing uh 1950s eye candy epitomizing all that is shiny and hopeful in this brave new world but ultimately ends up with a betrayal where women resort to desperate measures to cope with the predatory man babies of the age <laughs> who want all of the agency but none of the responsibility woo woo and this has been old movie time machine Catherine just nailed it oh nailed it to the wall i'd like to <laughs> steal Catherine's answer please if this was if this podcast was a class i'd be copying your <laughs> Answer. Guys, they're counting us off by threes. You know, sit three people apart so we can all be in the same group. We need Catherine's group. Uh, well played, Catherine. Thank you. Shrishma? Yeah, sure. Why not? Um, well, I had two. Okay. Sure. <laughs> One was as soon as the movie opened and it was a Jerry Waltz movie. Uh, I was like, well, I wonder whose story you stole this time. Uh, and then. Do you know who? Yeah, it was... Um, Rona Jeff. Yeah. Jeff, Jeffy? Jaffy? Jaffy? Rona okay. Jaffy. So, and then the other one, which is what I kind of messaged you guys, was um, I've come to the conclusion that if I lived in the 1950s, um, I would not be a very happy person. No. Yeah. I would like to come back to that. I'd like to circle back to right. that, okay? So, do that. okay, Carol, do you have a one-line review for The Best of Everything from 1959? I see this film as a slice of several white women's lives and the consequences of their decisions through the male lens. Well spoken. Sounds like you have a lot to say about this film. We're not going to find out for a little while, but we'll check in with you later. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks. I'll be back soon. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) I had a couple options as well. I don't know why this one was hard to pin down, but um, let's see. We've got... Yet another movie about women obsessing over caddish men. This is the best of everything, question mark. Actually, just two sentences. Sorry, two lines, but uh, very curious about that. Um, so, Shrisma, let's circle back to you now. <laughs> why, 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 why do you think you wouldn't enjoy the 1950s in the United States of America? Have you, you- met me? <laughs> <laughs> what do you have against the U.S.? And also with this whole, like, you know, if you, again, I get, it was still, again, reinforcing those same, like, t- um, issues from the last movie, Man, which they're is hammering these where issues. the boys are, yeah. which is like, 
if you're doing anything outside of getting married and having children, um, it's just not a right choice because look at what's going to happen to you. Yeah. And it's just again and again and again. It's just girls, you're just not good enough. Right. So just don't even try. Just, you know, yeah. stay in the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah, this is the only way that you can contribute to society. I mean, this is what we expect from you. Yeah, anything else is different and therefore frightening. So, no thank you. Right off the bat, let's talk about the fact that this is just Mad Men down to the fucking office. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I- it, it, everything. My first two comments are Mondrian-esque office mm-hmm. and just fabulous cafeteria mural art. Oh, I my mean, God. It was that was just- insane. That cafeteria. I don't know what's happening there. No, it was amazing. I have endless pictures of it, though. <laughs> <laughs> Every shot was something different of like, this is a bizarre nightmare land that we've entered. Okay. Mm. Let's let's start at the beginning, you guys. It's the only way to do this, right? Majestic shots of New York City. Here we are. Hey, you remember New York, everybody? It's the only city in the United States of America. End of. <laughs> so it looks uh, pretty dirty. It looks pretty... I mean, this is modernity at the time, though. Here it is. The best of everything. Lovely skylines. Okay, Hope Lang, by the way, we've seen before, she was in Peyton Place. Okay. She was, what was her name, Selena, the wrong side of the tracks. She was the one. Yes, of course. Who, yes, yes. I yes. she looked familiar. So here she is in the modern age. Now, that, of course, was flashback, right? That was the 1940s, they were alleging, but whatever, 1940s, 50s, very blurry. I did want to point out. That we open with, there it is, you guys, the beautiful United Nations building. We thought we could get away from it, but we're in New York City, so we must show it. Again, this is the pride of a people. Mm-hmm. All people. This is what we we earned the hard way, the hardest way possible through a lot of death is we earned this building. And so we're going to show it off. Why not? This is the world coming together, making great decisions. That is an entirely different film, though. We will not see it again. Just had to highlight it here. But we see Caroline Bender arrive in Midtown Manhattan, 375 Park Avenue. This building still stands, by the way. I was looking at it on Google Maps today. Well, now. This is about 10 blocks north of Grand Central Station. And we are seeing her look at an ad for secretaries. Help wanted dash female, of course. You deserve the best of everything, is what this ad says. The best job, the best surroundings, the best pay, the best contacts, double exclamation points. Apply at Fabian Publishing Company, which is what she is doing at this very moment. And we follow her into Sterling Cooper, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Fabian <laughs> Publishing Company, publishers, publishers of Derby Books, America's Woman, The Teenager, Elegance, Beautiful Living, Confess, Outdoors, First Nighter. Girls' Life, Speed Sports, and Art Today. Some questions about what the, what is first nighter? <laughs> first nighter. <laughs> what is that? Now, at the end of the theater, maybe at I the end know. of the picture, she's an editor for. It sounds like Dirty Books. She's writing a rejection Derby letter. Books. What's that? Oh, for Derby Books. You said Dirty Books. I did say it. Yeah, <laughs> I thought she said Dirty Books. I thought it was like some kind of. Oh, she's doing like. Like fuck books or whatever, you know, like the Derby books. Okay, it's, this it's is, the yeah. first one on the list. I Derby books. That's good. Just, Darby, excuse yeah. me. <laughs> That's how it was. Catherine Sherlock. We're in America. <laughs> America. Oh, excuse me. Darby. This is an E. Darby. Mm-hmm. The Kentucky Derby. Excuse you. Excuse yeah, you. It's a bit more like a, a Darby hat. Darby. Darby. O- Derby O'Gill and the Little People. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my 
I don't know where we're going. <laughs> anyway, okay. I thought she was publishing dirty books. It's mm. derby books. <laughs> <laughs> she took quite a step up. Listen. <laughs> or down. I don't know. They would be like Peyton Place type books that were introducing maybe like sex to the world. Yeah, could be. Listen, if she was working for Dirty Books, if she was publishing smut, right? Right. You know, the good stuff, Mm. the hot stuff, right? Which of these imprints do you think that would be? Is it Confess? First Nighter? That's what I was, this was the whole game I was going to play. Which Dirty Books, you know, what's her imprint? Oh, Girls Like. America's woman. They could, they frankly, could, it could they, be any, they, any, one any of, of them, really. The beautiful living. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Anyways, we see, here's the office again. Mm. We just need to scan it. It's. <laughs> Were you excited to see all this typewriter action? The typewriters? I mean, no. Not, you're not, not a type. For no. some reason, I thought you would be very excited I'd about it. I'd be one of those guys. No, no, no. No, the typewriter is, uh, look, it's antiquated. It has been okay. for almost my entire life. And I view it as such. Uh, I'm too lazy to type pages and then rip out the thing every time I fuck it up and I will be fucking it up. So no thank no thank you. I'm a I'm a modern man. I like to write by hand. <laughs> just turn tablet. Yeah, right. This one, so here's Caroline here, but what I wanted to point out was guys, over here on this little oh, rack man of Man in the Gray Flannel Suit. Man in the Gray Flannel Suit oh, in paperback published by no. Darby Books is a a key player on the <laughs> And the spinner rack for, for Fabian Publishing. Wow. Who knew? Another 20th Century Fox feature, though. Let's, we might add a, a recent hit for them. And everyone arrives at the office, by which I mean a whole bunch of working women who are here. And we just get the morning routine, everybody. We're going to work. We're punching in for the day. We are changing our shoes. We are undoing our curlers. Also arriving are the... The executives, the editors at Fabian Publishing, AKA mostly men. The men. Mostly no, right. men. Mostly, mostly men. One is, I mean, and she's as good as, let's right. face it, guys. She's barren. <laughs> she's loveless. She's, a, you know, useless. She's, a, right. she's but a husk, right? Mike Rice comes in and he is, uh, he's the brutish gentleman that we were talking about before. He's looking a little worse for wear. Appears like he has had some drinks in recent times, doing a lot of smoking, stopping by the old water fountain, which I've highlighted here just in the background because what I really like about this water fountain, you guys, are these cups, the mm. cup dispenser, because I got to tell you, we are not responsible enough as a people, a society. We don't respect one another enough to not put our mouths on the goddamn water dispenser. I see it at the gym every time I go to the gym. It's happening. I'm trying to drink this water. Why do you have your mouth on it? Please take your mouth off. The cups, it's a cheap investment. Yeah. It's going to help with this though. Everybody's walking around dignified. We're carrying cups. Just wanted to point that out. Any strong feelings about the cups? The cup system? I'm pro cup system. You like the cup system. You would vote for it. If we had an office meeting, you'd say, I think we need to, yeah, throw $3 a week at some wax cups. Or, you know, people can like carry their own cup to the... Well, if we want to be environmentally friendly. Right. Yes, ideally. And I think this is the this is why we've seen the the Dixie Cup kind of go away, right? Because it's very wasteful. But I'll tell you what else. You know, what's what's the balance for you guys? Would you rather drink Catherine? This is very important. Mm-hmm. Would you rather drink mouthwater mm. or do some light, very minor polluting of the environment with a wax cup? Neither. That's <laughs> 
I like that you play by your own rules. It's not an option. Shrishma Nike, would you rather drink mouth water or make a tiny piece of trash? I just feel like we're at the point in um, Earth's, the only two <laughs> Earth civilization where we might have to choose mouth water really? over the cups. Uh, why can't we just stop putting our mouths on the goddamn yeah, see, that, water that, dispenser? That, that, that's that's neither. So you didn't pick a choice of one of your two choices. You just yeah, broke right. the rules. I broke of my your own, own rules. Game. Rules are made to be broken, Trishma. Right. Do you know? I've never now. I'm because I have. I do drink from these little thingma bubbles, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it never occurred to me that someone would be that stupid as to put their whole mouth over the outlet. Oh, they're doing it. They are doing it. Right. That's it. I am never drinking. No, from you one can't. Of those things again. I bring my own water to the gym now because I know that if I if it's just five minutes and I'm seeing like three different teenage boys put their mouth in the goddamn water dispenser that everybody's and there's a sign that says that don't drink don't drink out of it. If that's five minutes, it's happening all day long. It's everybody. It's it's a nightmare. We are disgusting. Yeah. I'm checking out. Forget this. <laughs> Bring your own water. I do. Two uh, bottles. Yeah, like on your side. Yeah, right. Right. That's right, Shrishma. Right. Also, <laughs> since we're on the topic of poor behavior, right? Grown-ups. Grown-up bad behavior. This isn't even teenage boys. Just so you guys are all aware. The hand sanitizer thing we've been doing for COVID, <laughs> just keep doing it. Yeah. Uh, because I'll tell you what. Fair. The percentage of men who are not washing their hands after using the bathroom. Dude. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. God. But I, I'm not going to give you the number. But it's higher than you think. No, I think, yeah, I always <laughs> thought it was pretty... You have a pretty high. low opinion of men. That mm-hmm. makes sense. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Then you might be spot on. It's awful. Mm-hmm. It's an atrocity. We should all be in jail. Anyway, <laughs> we meet Mary Agnes, and she's the boss of all of the typists, right? All, most of these women are typists. I think that's the correct... Secretary? Secretary. Uh, are they secretaries? Yes. Okay, okay. Typing is one of the functions. Right. So Mary Agnes runs the pool. We get a lot of marriage talk right out of the gate from her. She's very excited to be getting married, that somebody would like to marry her, that there's going to be a wedding, that she's working really hard to save for said wedding, and so is her guy. And it's just a lot of that talk. And after that, we get some insight into Caroline. You know, all this talk of love and romance and marriage leads her to pull out a postcard. Mm. And we get a an unusual flashback, early flashback, of her saying goodbye to her dude, Eddie, uh, who is going abroad to take care of some business. And, you know, she's thinking fondly. This is a postcard from Eddie sent to her after he's, he's arrived at Liverpool. And so we get some insight. Okay, so she's got a guy. They're not married yet, but she's got, she's got a guy. So please, don't worry about her well-being, her sense right. of self. She has a man. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And I mean, I think at this point, you know, she's not looking for a career or anything like that. She just needs this man to come back. She will marry him. And then that will be her life. You think so? Okay. That, that, she that seems just, to have like a career. Well, I, mm, I think that kind of happened after. Okay. It was almost, she almost got the career by accident because this yeah. man let her down. Mm, okay. Okay. I think there was one scene where she was upset with her, the other lady boss. The other editor? Miss Farrow? Yeah. yeah. And she's like, I don't know why she's jealous of me. I'm going to get married anyway and leave. Yes, yeah, exactly. I do recall that. Yes, yeah, yes. yeah. So her daydreaming, though, is interrupted by dun, 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 Miss Farrow, played by Joan Crawford, who is a, a movie star yes. of the time. 
I've her name is familiar. Yeah, me too. I couldn't tell you what she was in. I just know she's good Joan at, at it. Yeah, I mean she's even her face when I saw her, I was like, I know that face. Yes, it's a very caricatureable face. Oh. She's probably been in a Looney Tune or something like that. The uh, wait, did we say this is Joan Crawford? Joan Crawford. You know she's mother of Cindy Crawford. No, that's what it says here. Joan Crawford is mother of Cindy Crawford. The Joan Crawford. Mother, this is it says Cindy Crawford here. It might be renowned another. supermodel. Oh, Cindy no. Crawford. <laughs> Maybe it's a different Joan Crawford. <laughs> Cindy Crawford, dude. It says it here. I'm not. Allowed. What do you look? She died in 1977. This is this is not the Joan Crawford we're talking about. No, this is Joan Crawford. That's her. Wait, show me the Cindy Crawford thing. I'm so sorry. It's not the Cindy Crawford. Just a Cindy Crawford. A Cindy Crawford. Well, okay, okay. <laughs> we should say that uh, Caroline is filling in for Greg, who is her normal girl, as they call them, who is able to put up with the bullshit, I guess. And that's really what this type of personality needs, is somebody who can endure the bullshit and just not be... Yeah, I, th- I think it's vulnerability under all that hardness, because it's like she sees all these young women coming in and she's like... Yeah, I think exactly as you said, Caroline, it, it, you know, she's paved the way, mm-hmm. but she doesn't want to keep the door open for these women. Right. She's right. like, oh, you're all coming in here. You think you're going to be in a, you know, a, re- yeah. a reader tomorrow and then next week you'll be a, an editor. Yeah. Uh, well, and doesn't Mary Ag- I think it's Mary Agnes says when they go down to the cafe or diner or whatever, the, the restaurant downstairs, it's what they're talking about Miss Farrow and what a kind of harpy she is that she's like, I don't know what her problem is. She's always talking about how she wants somebody like you, cosmopolitan and educated. And so I don't know why she's treating you that way. So she does respect the Caroline personality, if not the person, I guess. But it's just, uh, it's an unfortunate way of showing it. I- who, who knows what her backstory? I mean, we get some insight into where she comes from and what her deal is, but uh, she's been she's been putting up with. I mean, if we think that the late 1950s is bad, how shitty was this in the 1930s? Yeah, you know, for exactly. for a woman in the workplace mm. or the 40s or you know, how, exactly. Whenever. And how how unusual to be unmarried, not having children, yeah, that kind of thing, right? And right. we and we do find out that literally the only light in her life is that she is seeing. A married man one day a week. Yes. Mm, That's very interesting. Mm. Okay, everybody. So we had to take a little break there. And during the break, it became clear to us. We made a discovery. Yes. It was an earth-shattering discovery, no less, that Carolyn, my sister and yours, (laughs) was not recording her part of the audio across the ocean. So what you're going to be here, what you have heard so far is a bullshit intro where we bring her on and then she doesn't talk for like a half an hour, which, I mean, you've all been listening to the show long enough to know that that doesn't happen, right? right. You, we count on hearing from you, Carolyn. So welcome back to the right. program for real. Thanks. You did give us and a deep dive into Joan Crawford's career history, which the, the audience now does only gets to hear us going like, oh, really? <laughs> and oh, the, that's right. That's and, right. That's and right. And a bit about Cindy Crawford. <laughs> and, what? Cindy Crawford and Joan Crawford not related, and Joan Crawford has been around a long time. I guess technically it is. She did give birth to a Cindy Crawford. I think it might might have been more adopted, 
or she adopted. I don't know. She adopted five mm. children. Remember, that was part of what I just told she you. She adopted seven girls. <laughs> that no one can hear. Listening, she, died. Justin. she died in 1977. <laughs> she died in 2007. Joan Crawford? Cindy Crawford. The daughter of Joan Crawford. The yeah, daughter, but, no, but the, the real Cindy, the, well, the real Cindy Crawford, yeah. the famous Cindy Crawford is remains alive, I re- right? I, I believe she's still Let's alive. Let's not start yes. any rumors no. about Hello, everybody. It is me again, your old friend, mid-roll Jay-Z, stepping in here to bust up the flow and to let you know that, hey, remember the Tea Public store that we were talking about a few weeks ago? That still exists. You can still go there. There's a link in the show notes attached to this very episode you're listening to right now. You follow that guy and you can go get yourself whatever kind of t-shirt or sweatshirt or mug or tote bag or banner they've got banners up there uh, that you want featuring any design that we've provided for you up there so please help us out we're an independent podcast and your contribution helps tremendously so follow the link in the show notes go to the t public store you can even go to just tpublic.com and search old movie time machine our stuff will come up you want to go you want to go buy some of that stuff and if you do I'm going to thank you, just like I will right now. Thank you. And now back to the show. Miss Farrow is in her office, and she's on a very important phone call with her man, mm-hmm. Arthur, who she, is, have, she has plans to meet up with, but he cannot make it. Why? Because it turns out he is married. Why? She knows this. <laughs> yeah, right, right. That's, that's pretty amusing. She she apparently now according to some trivia I ran into on the internet she apparently improvised or or created this monologue herself the one sided phone conversation because what was scripted was not realistic enough for her so she's like this is not her giving this man shit I will show you how to give a guy shit and she does she goes off on this guy yeah. about look I only asked for one piece of your life and you can't give it to me. That's nonsense, right? So I'm not taking any less. Yes, exactly. Now you and your rabbit-faced wife can both go to hell. Now you and your rabbit-faced wife can both go to hell. Yeah, I love End that. End of conversation, scene. Arthur. <laughs> Hit the bricks. So Caroline is working late, and she gets a call from Eddie. Remember Eddie, you guys, from a hundred years ago? The, her man who is doing business abroad. Before um, we get to Eddie, can I can I ask a, because abroad? it will lead. Yeah, it will lead to the next thing we're going to talk about. Some business. Um, mm-hmm. we'll work on it. Yeah. Sorry, uh, but so go ahead. Mike Mike Rice, what exactly is his role at Fabian Publishers? He is the chain smoker. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, chain yeah chief, smoker. chief party <laughs> boy. Yeah. I was just like, did I ever see what was written on his office door? Yes, it's it actually it says, and I was confused at first, but then it became clear when I watched it a second time. But so on his door, it's Mike Rice, and then in quotes, the teenager. It says, which is interesting because I was like, is this like a joke description? Is no, this it's like one an, of the magazines? It's one it? of the magazines. The, yeah, yes. Yeah. Eventually got there, but yes, so he's in charge of publishing the Teenager magazine. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, all right. He and but mostly you're right, he does spend a lot of time just smoking and drinking. Yeah, this is most of his day. So, yes, Eddie finally gets through, gets a phone call through. Somehow he knows about this new job and everything at Fabian Publishing. He catches up with her. She is delighted to hear from him. It's been a long time. 
and she's trying to pick up what he's saying to her over the phone, but she can't because the janitors are cleaning up and they're yelling, you know, shouting janitorial custodian instructions to one another and vacuuming and all this shit. And eventually it comes out that he's gotten married to uh, the the heiress of a of an oil tycoon and sorry. So she is very distracted at this point. And this is the same night we, we referenced it earlier where she's on a blind date or she has a blind date planned with a, what a friend of her mom's son's mm, son yes, of a mom's same. friend, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you son of a mom's friend. Anyway, on this blind date, they're down at the, the nightmarish restaurant again. And who should be lurking at the bar, of course, but Mike Rice, right? And so she. Well, he's a single man. I mean, where else has he got to be? It's, it's been a big day at the office of smoking and drinking. Let's take it downstairs, right? Mm. And continue this, this parade. But anyway, he catches sight of uh, Caroline on her blind date and she sort of signals, she does. Not very subtle. She like waves him over, like "Come on over, save me." She like got like the airplane, like yeah, like yeah, lights yeah, out. Uh, was like, "Come over here." Yeah, save. doing the um, what is it, semaphore or whatever? The you know, like the <laughs> I need your SOS. help, right? Yeah. And Caroline asks Mike if she can just spend the night with him, basically, which is very. I was surprised at first, mm. a little forward, mm. and yeah. it's sort of like, well, is this her? Is this her reaction, her response to the marriage news is that I'm going to go out and get with the first guy I see. Now, it turns out that, thankfully for us, the audience, they just go out and have some drinks together. They have a nice time. And then they return to his Uh, place. I love that you screenshotted this. (laughs) They are having the best time. And I tell you what, guys, I like this couple. She is, again, I said it last week. I'll say it again. She's real funny. Mm -hmm. And that will that is... Something that's that's a very attractive quality, and she is funny. She a funny was in drunk. The movie last no, no, no. But just like uh, yeah, okay. uh, last week, we were talking about merit, right? Okay, yes, oh, merit, yeah. merit. But this is another one where it's like you are hilarious and very charming uh, while doing so, while being so, and and Mike's loving it, and he pours them another drink, and they're just hanging out at his place, and she kind of goes off to, let me tell you more about Paul and his tax issues, and blah, 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 blah. Very interesting, and she's making fun of him. But then it goes back to Eddie, and then things turn dark and kind of weepy, and then he's trying to support her, and to his credit, he does not try to fuck her, right. you know? Like, I think this is what makes him the good guy, is that he's just like, we're he's drunk together. Yeah. yeah, right. What do right. you think their age difference is? Mm, 10 years yeah i would okay i was gonna say what do you think it's supposed to be as in like let's say like she's in like 21 22 no no she's i heard 26 no 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 no. No, no, she she wanted to be married by 26 as in if i'm not married by 26 i'm gonna start having an affair okay well because yeah and in this scene she's like oh please make love to me 26 is too long or something like that so so right so i think that she's like fresh out of college being 21 or 22 yeah okay okay fair enough and then yeah he's probably you think he's 30 something early 30 yeah Yeah, i was gonna say mid 30s but it is the 50s so yeah probably early 30s okay all right no that Uh, that sounds about right he's not married yet no, he got close, we find out. Yeah. There was somebody, but it just didn't didn't take or whatever. And he's got his own issues. Now, another bit of trivia I read on the internet, take it for what it is, uh, by according to the author of the book anyway, he's definitely supposed to be have a drinking problem. Mm. So mm. we do it's sort of it's never addressed 
directly in the film, but everyone he, had a drinking problem. Exactly. Everybody's era. drinking all the yeah. time. If he has a drinking problem, so does everybody. They're all yeah. acting this way. I mean, he it's had cool. like a good glass of scotch and then yeah. he sat down with the bottle and then just topped it up. Yeah. He, what? <laughs> he's ordering double neat scotches. Mm. It's I not mean, his first rodeo. It was not double. Are- it was like several fists. It was, yeah. Yeah. The, this is 59, right? This is a 59 of scotch. But yeah, they're drinking is- hard liquor. Like, they're not having a beer. They're not having no. a glass of wine. And I didn't they see are- any food. No. There's no food. It is like I thought you had a burger gin and a glass of milk. At lunch. Yeah. Gin and scotch. been the day before. <laughs> yeah, that all of these people are drunk all the, <laughs> the time. Donut. This is a thing that we need to keep in mind is that all of the decisions and conversations these people are happening after, let's say... 1 p.m. They're drunk. These are drunk people. Well, let's talk about this photo that you have screenshot. Okay. Can and you describe just... it for the audience? <laughs> okay. She's um, real cute. Come on. I know she is. She's adorable, but I'm going to talk about him first. Oh, okay. Mike looks like he's having a great time. Hair is yeah. a little disheveled. He's still in the gray flannel suit, buttoned he's rumpled, up. Though. He's a little rumpled looking for sure with his some like gray silk tie he is, I'm guessing that's scotch in his hand. So they've come mm-hmm. from drinking lots of scotch at the mm-hmm. bar with no food, mm-hmm. to be noted. The last thing any of them probably ate was that donut. <laughs> I want so much. And he, they're, they're laughing hysterically. And she has disrobed from her match, matching jacket and is in a uh, white top, red band, high-waisted, gray pencil skirt of a dress that's lovely. It is um, And she is wearing some sort of beachy straw hat that she is then folding around her face. And she, <laughs> that she found it his apartment. Yeah, that she found his apartment, yes. found. Yeah. And When he was at Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Trying right. to make his way to the beach. So she's having a fantastic time. <laughs> she's, having, she's having a great time. This is the best yes. night she's had in a long time. It's a good distraction. And he's what loving it too. What were these kids doing in college? Because I feel like probably not enough of this. <laughs> well, according to Hilda Crane, I don't know that too much of this. Okay, having drinks, sharing space with men, unbelievable. But anyway, she is very she. The Eddie thing comes back up as this evening comes to a close, and he's there for her, and she eventually, I think, he kisses her. Right mm-hmm. then, she passes out. From drink, and he just sort of tucks her into the couch and sits with her for a little bit, and just sits with her. And hey, thanks for not, thanks for no assault. Appreciate hey, thanks that. Thanks for you not know? raping me while I was mm. nice, right? Even though you begged me to make love to you, I did not. And yeah, no, he's like the only like somehow this alcoholic has a conscience. This is the uh, sort of the the non assault is the sort of uh, the non sexual assault is the equivalent of saving the cat nowadays. But yes. this, that was the. <laughs> That was the, yeah. what we called it back then, I guess. I didn't inappropriately touch you when yeah, you were right. passed out. Right. Yeah. I saved the cat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Screenwriting 101 in the 1950s. Meanwhile, April meets the club Dexter. member. Yes. <laughs> now, listen, you guys, I have a theory here. Mm-hmm. Now, we've had a problem. We've been stuck in a certain kind of purgatory. You dirty tramp! How dare you? How dare Don't you? Mother. It's called Hilda Crane's house, right? Uh-oh, no. I think, I suspect, I cannot prove it yet, <laughs> but I suspect 
that this space is Hilda Crane's house. What? The Ooh. clubhouse at the club. I think and this the is. The other room is where the desk was in Peyton Place. And the, we never really went in there with Hilda or this was like with a dining the man room. The, right in the gray flannel suit. I think these, this is where the folding accordion style doors would be. I think this is the same. We'll have to, mm. we'll have to check Peyton Place's window, door window situation. But I feel like, cause uh, this railing, the staircase is there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I think this mm-hmm. is Hilda Crane's house. I think we are still in fucking oh, Hilda Crane's house. Wow. Yeah. Now, uh, this opening seems bigger, maybe larger. That's easily done though with some carpentry, but I, I, let's say we, we bump the wall out here, put some accordion doors. That's where there was a a window in Peyton Place that I think they added to match the house that they used. And so that'd be very easy to have. No, 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 no. The one where the horse portrait is. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yep. So that would have been like, okay, we're just going to like add a false, another false wall back there. Now, this is three years later, but I, I, this feels like the guts of this house Hilda that we Crane's cannot house. escape. <laughs> so, Tis the uh, era. I'm going to do a little more research, a little more forensic analysis of the staircases mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. the entrance into this particular space. So from there, we go to the office party for Mary Agnes's wedding shower. And this is, uh, we're looking at a shot of just, again, a certain type of smoking that we have here. And this is just aloof wedding shower smoking. This is Mike and Caroline being a little too cool for school. I like these guys. This is a fun couple here. Mm. They're real fun together. They're not part of the fucking crowd. Crowd, you stay over there. We'll be over here. They observe. They're a little, they're like, they're a little aloof, in, but in a way where you're like, oh, I want to be in that in crowd. Well, they're cool. They're, yeah. they're, they're cool kids. Yeah, yeah for it's sure. easy. Right, right. And so, but they're, and they're content to let the normalos have their fun and everything. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, Mr. Shalimar has had some cocktails and he wanders into Miss Lamont's office and tries to rape her, basically. And she ends up screaming and they have to break into the office. And show him out. That's the only repercussion he faces, though. It's just, he, oh, like, he's been overserved. Oh, he drops. So he's known for dropping these quotes from famous writers that he's worked with in the past. So he drops the old youth is wasted on the young line and, and people laugh at it. It's mm. like this woman is yeah, in there. Exactly. It traumatized. Yeah. She uh, literally, she was literally putting her clothes back on. Yeah. He was trying to clearly mm. get off of her. Right. A woman mm. that all these people allegedly respect mm. having, you know, made it to the position that she's in or whatever and just being a decent human being as well. Mm. But uh, we're going to laugh at Mr. Shalimar. He's, he's harmless except for all the harm he causes. Oh, so, yes. Yeah. So think about that. So from there, we catch up with Greg, who is now part of this big David Savage production, and they're doing previews in Boston and bringing the house down, getting seven curtain calls and all of this. Very good. But it turns out that she's not a very good actor, mm-hmm. is what we find out. Mm-hmm. And the, I forget, the stage manager, I think it is, he's, he mentions that like the kids in the play have to bail her out at a certain point. I don't know if you guys have ever done any kind of theater or whatever, but this is a thing that it happens. I mean, in my brief experience in high school and college or whatever, you know, you, these things come together very quickly. Sometimes you get lost and then you have to do a bunch of 
mental calculus to make sure you're hitting all of the plot points you skipped over when you jump from page 72 to page 75. And there's something that happened in between there. And I got to bring the story back around to that. So the fact that the kids are the ones who are like doing that calculus for Greg Mm -hmm. to get out of the scene or whatever, that's trouble. Mm. So this puts David at a less than great position because now the woman he has dated. Now we all know this. This is not the first time this has happened, right? Most likely he's dating all of his leads and I'm sure he's had to fire some before. And that's what happens here is, and he does it, I guess in as good a way as a person can do it. He's like, I'm really sorry, but it's not working. I'm going to replace you. Sorry about that. It's not working. The, I mean, he's pretty straightforward about it. I don't know. Do you guys feel like he was being unjust yeah, here? Yeah, no, no, no. I think yeah, he was being very professional. Yeah, I think. I, and, I felt and she I mean, was she, she, yeah, she asked to be made understudy, and he agreed. And he agrees. Yeah, he doesn't degrade her or whatever. No, nope, makes nope, it happen. No, nope. and but she's she's pretty rocked by it. From there, we go to uh, a lovely dinner that Caroline makes for Mike and they're just having some post dinner coffee and cigarettes and smooches. And then boy, that's just a great evening you guys. Right. But then who should call, but Eddie, Eddie is in town and he wants to see her. Eddie's a dick. Yeah. Yeah. So right when (laughs) Mike's about to finally, you know, uh, lower the castle gates or whatever, you know, the, uh, break down those walls that he's put up to, Keep the world out. He's like, ah, it's fucking Eddie. All right, I'll check you later. You enjoy your life. I know where this is going. From there, we check in with Greg and her situation. We're just doing a lot of checking in with everybody, you guys. I'm really sorry about it. We're moving into the third act, and I'm going to take this one for you about Greg. Okay, thank you. Please. Greg is losing her (laughs) ever-loving mind because (laughs) she is so... Suspicious, don't be suspicious, don't be suspicious. She is suspicious and she is definitely feeling like uh, David Savage, who she has now been like, I'm going to go home and make dinner. I mean, when like rehearsal's going on, she's like trying to interrupt the scene that's being oh my acted God, I'm work- out. Honey, I'm working. And she mm. Exactly. And he's like, I'm working. And I'm like, yeah, bitch, he's working. <laughs> Please stop interrupting him about going home and making dinner. David, did you want asparagus or Brussels? Br- Just Babe. Sh- I'm giving instructions. I'm a director. I'm directing. Here. Right. Right. And millions of dollars at stake. The new lead actress is making all the eyes at oh, him. Yeah. And right. I mean, yeah. and he tries to break it off there, I think, rather gallantly. And she just like can't take the hint. I mean, he's like, You've gone through my stuff. Give me back my key. You're losing mm. your mind. Yes. Um, and she stole the key. He hadn't yes. even given it to her. And yeah. then she tried to lie her way out of it. She gets caught in a key lie. And he's yeah. like, he, he takes it out of her purse. I mean, that's that's rock bottom, right? Right. Yeah. And and he's like, end scene, play over. And like, right. and We're she's done. standing in the doorway going, well, just kiss me. And he kisses her on the forehead and closes the door on her. I'm like, I what guess- more finality do you need? Okay, maybe David Savage Wilder is the man for this movie. Maybe he's, I mean, it's between him and Mike, right? At this point, mm. as far as like decent human beings. Yeah, I mean, he he didn't ever promise anything. No. Um, and it's fairly obvious that, you know, he's not monogamous. And she is terribly distraught as she is booted from the apartment and ends up spending the night on the fire escape. 
which is where she will spend the remainder of the film <laughs> uh, for the most part. And from there, Caroline gets promoted again. And we get to see some excellent promotion smoking. This is her and Mr. Shalimar. Again, Mr. Shalimar, the, the books are clean with this guy. It's not a big deal. Don't worry about his sexual assaults and his drinking problem and his inappropriate workplace behavior. He's just a cool dude you can smoke in his office with. Did you get the lines, though? Every time she got promoted, he would be like, yeah, I argued for you upstairs. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, it's not about the money. It's, it's not about – yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's about the honor. Yeah, right. Yeah, so basically the women are getting promoted to do the hard work mm-hmm. um, without proper uh, compensation. You don't think this man's a fighter on women's no. Miss Farrow is retiring – and so now she's she gonna get married. Well, she, she was gonna try. She met an old flame who is a widower and has kids and mm-hmm. whatever. And she was like, I'm gonna go and try to be a, a real woman and be soft. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because he, he thinks she's the bee's knees, that she's yeah. just the best, the best thing walking on two legs. And, Shouldn't we all be so lucky to to feel that way, right? So mm-hmm. it makes sense. But he is living in Illinois, which, I mean, in this day and age anyway, compared to the heart of the world, New York City, right? I mean, that's the middle of nowhere, Illinois. Of course, it is home to Chicago, the New York of the Midwest. But whatever. Uh, let's assume that he's not living in Chicago. So anyway, we get that story. And... Then we start seeing the transformation of Caroline becoming Miss Farrow, basically. She sort of toughens up and she's doing a lot of shouting about the quality of the writing she's getting and she's taking over the office and everything and she's really living the Farrow lifestyle. And while this is happening, Greg continues on her downward spiral into madness and is picking through David's garbage and spending a lot of time peeping on him through his blinds on the fire escape and again she's entered the world of dutch tilts so the the camera is angled to the side kind of giving us a unhinged yeah yeah it's it was used a lot in the old 60s batman television show just sort of like yeah very exaggerated mm, view of the world so we're getting into her mind and she's losing it you guys what's gonna happen eddie shows up now we get the fucking eddie thing finally so he shows up And he wines and dines, Caroline. To sum it up, he's like, look, I know I married this other woman, but I don't love her the same way that I love you. And I want to be with you. And she's all for it. And she feels great about she's all in. I'm going to marry Eddie and we're going to finally be together. But you guys, Shrishma, what happens? He says that she he wants her to be his mistress, so he can't really <laughs> yeah. marry her. Yeah, he's going to be putting her up in a fancy apartment. apartment. He'll be there like for a few a days every month. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but no marriage. Sorry, no divorce. Oh, I love you, but mm, no. I love the oil I, money more. more. But I could share yeah. it with you. Babe, I got it all figured out. He's so... Blase about the whole mm. thing, like <laughs> oh, the marriage thing, right? No, 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 no. Yeah, here's how it's going to work. But Caroline is not into that, of course. No. no. She stands up for herself. Good for her, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Miss Farrow returns, and everybody's a little bit alarmed at the office because why is Miss Farrow back? And this is one of those points where it's like, how much time has passed here? It's really hard to say. Uh, but she comes back, and everybody's worried, like, is Caroline losing her job? What's happening? Is she going to, is Miss Farrow going to be pissed off about everything, knowing her reputation? But it turns out she's just going to come back to her position and Caroline's going to keep her authors and be her own little 
editor world. So that's that resolved, I guess. And yeah, now they're like friends, they're Sparrow's, colleagues. Yeah, she's kind of had the. She is a little softer. She is softer. Mm-hmm. Yes, she said. Okay, so she's in conclusion those- of her, the conclusion of her Illinois love affair is that this man and his children wanted too much from her, and she did, just didn't have it in her to give. She didn't have the love to give. That's how I feel every day of my life. Oh my God. <laughs> Carolyn, this is going on the internet. <laughs> hey, you know what though? <laughs> David will think it's funny. <laughs> Alrighty. Anyway. So, just kidding. I only love my animals. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we so we've we've re- we've resolved almost everything except for Greg. What happens with Greg? Greg is caught. This is so bizarre. Greg is hanging out outside of David's apartment door, like listening, right? And she's been, again, picking through his garbage, finding old, uh, finding letters about some fucking uranium company that's giving him share. I didn't understand what that I was like, where is this movie going? Yeah. Like, is this, is this now a Cold War thriller? Like, what is happening here? And then gathering the lipstick tubes from his. Mistress, whatever the fuck, she's lost it. She's keeping it all in a, in a pillow case at her house. It's craziness. Anyway, some drunk neighbor, he's drunk, right? Yeah. Okay. Some lush neighbor shows up and is like, hey, what are you hanging outside? You forget your key. And he starts like banging on the door and everything. And she's like, do, do not do that. Backs out to the fire escape. He's like, wait, where are you going? I'm just trying to help. And as he's going for her, she gets her heel caught in the fire escape. Falls to her death. Yeah. The end of Greg mm. and her poor existence. I, you know. It's, yeah, what do you say? I mean, it happens and there's like two minutes of the movie left. So I guess yeah. everybody grieves off screen during the cutaway. Yeah, then it's like the next, they cut to the scene. It's like, I don't know how many months later. It could could be many months. It could be days. It could be hours. I'm not quite yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Where this is, everything seems very settled at Fabian Publishing, and Caroline has her own office, and she's rejecting right. some dirty book author. Apparently, not Derby a book, Derby, Derby book. book. <laughs> Excuse me, excuse me, a thousand times. But she's like, "Bye, Amanda." You know, like she, you know, it's like, okay, everything's like settled in. And is this not like a, a mirror? So when she's she's yeah, she's leaving the office. She's right. the queen of the world and everything. Right. Is this not Peggy Olson at the end of fucking Mad Men when she goes to the yes? Big? But I also think it's a great juxtaposition for how she entered the office well, as true. a newcomer in the beginning of the film. But then you know she leaves the office building, crosses the street, meets up with Mike. They mm-hmm. don't even hold hands. She just like they, they, they like look at each other. They don't even say anything. They just yeah. walk she like together. takes off her hat and then they walk together. It's like yeah. So you're together, like what? Or you're not? Well, or this you, is it. I mean, uh, your I mean, companions. She was walking out of the office. Like the the girls were kind of saying, "Enjoy the holiday" or something like that. Or mm. it, I I got the imp- no. I thought it was the weekend because well, Miss Farrow definitely weekend. says, "See you Monday." All oh, right. Okay. Sorry. And on that note. You think there's hot dogs in this cart, by the way? Yes. I was just wondering about this. Is that a hot dog cart? It looks like it's yeah. got like a bell phone insignia. Doesn't matter. The movie's over, you guys. That was and has been and continues to be the best of everything. We made it. Let's talk. Final question. Mm. Catherine Sherlock, the mm. best of everything. 1959. Hope mm. Lang and a bunch mm. of other people. Yeah. Mr. Shalimar. Mm. We keep watching this? Uh, I think just because 
it is that 1950s eye candy, I would say yes. I mean, the drama and the confusing plot lines and there's just too much, mm -hmm. not from that aspect, but just from the the snapshot of where it is in time and what it's depicting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. It's a yes from you. Shrishma Nike. <laughs> I'm really ambivalent. I really don't care. I like, <laughs> you know, it was... It was a good movie. Like, I, I enjoyed watching it. I was it. just going to ask like, you. Yeah. You've, you've been kind of quiet late. Yeah. You know, end of the episode, I get right. it. But so, like, how do you... What's your takeaway? Were you like, I can get into this? Yeah, or I just, could. I mean, I enjoyed watching it. You, I okay. thought it was a good movie. I just mm. didn't like... I'm tired of this message. Um, it's right? incessant. I mean, right. this is... Yeah. At this point, I'm over it. That's why I'm saying I'm... So people who people who bristle at the idea of of me too, right? That right. that whole thing of like, oh, get over it. It's just right. like this has been story, this is entrenched yeah. worldview mm. that is being delivered by the media it has been for decades and decades and decades and decades, right? So this is it's not exaggeration, you mm -hmm. know, that this behavior goes on. Like, oh, it's, it's, right. it's like the the attitude accepts this, you know, society yeah. accepts this as being a, as a a key part of society. You are a plaything for me, man. I do what I want with you. Deal right. with it, you know. Mm -hmm. Um. So you don't like that message, Trishma? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just. Uh, I'm going to say no. It's a no from you. Yes. I, okay, because okay. just yeah, just because of them, like you know, there's so many. Like I don't know. I'm just if maybe it gave a different kind of ending, or maybe mm. a different kind of mm -hmm. like you know. But they still managed to find happiness in their lives, or some shit like that. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. right. But yeah, but right. maybe she did. Like I think it was insinuating that she did in the end because she walked off kind of happy with her friend, and she was promised the best so, of everything. I don't know. But I, got, I would say no. Yeah. Okay. Carolyn Alrose. Yes. The best of everything, 1959. Do we keep watching this? Yes. Because? Because there's so... I mean, this is the message we're going to get in this era. Because I agree with Shrishma. I'm also tired of hearing it. But I will say yes to this one because... Although I didn't record my own um, one-line review... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, we'll get it in a second. Don't worry. We'll get it in a second. I do think that it does offer a wider array of like choose your own adventures of mm -hmm. of like examples of women, albeit all white women. Mm -hmm. But what are we going to get in this era? But I mean, like stylistically, I'm happy with it. It's the original yeah. Mad Men. Yeah, so I'm going to say yes, just because I, I think it does a okay. good job of giving us a couple of different types of female archetypes, even though they are limited in their choices. Okay. I am going to split the card, you guys. It's a no from me. Okay. Look, I agree with all of the things that you've all said. Of course, I like the style. I like the look of the, like the again, the aesthetics. Mm, magnificent, right? Mm -hmm. It is just a time and a place. But the fact that fucking Mr. Shalimar, there are zero repercussions yeah. for his poor behavior. There's, mm -hmm. there's not even a, a hint, you know, they start down that path by zooming, you know, the hand shot, right? The hand on the leg thing and the, the gentle rejection. Like they start it, but they never finish it. Even if you put in, I don't know, give me a couple of lines about like somebody telling him off or somebody mentions that he was reprimanded or so you got to give me something. But, but how do the we fact have that, Harvey Weinstein? 
if well, this, he was this is that right, right, yeah. But I'm not saying I don't think this is great. Uh, the lesson being taught here is that if you are high ranking enough in the hierarchy, you can do whatever you want to do. So yeah. enjoy, and uh, you'll just be seen as a, a charming cad, you know. So I don't I, think anyone the, sees him as a charming cat. I just think that they look at him like, ugh, I have to deal with you. No, I mean, they're laughing at his fucking jokes, but he is the boss too. I don't know. The, the, the whole thing is disgusting. And the fact that he never gets his other than, other than these rejection from women who never asked for his attention to begin with. It's a no for me. And I think we've seen, you know, stylistically, we've seen other yeses that I've given that are the same world. I mean, it's New York in the fifties. Like, Right. How many fucking movies did they make in the 50s <laughs> set in New York? These are all, right. I mean, especially with this message. We we're we're going to find out. We're going to watch all of them, you guys. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if that changes at all. But it's no for me. And with that, you guys, we're done with the best of everything. Mm. Well done. Woo! Yes. Right. We did it. Okay, okay, okay. Now, next week on Old Movie Time Machine, we have now at this point examine women in the world right so we're gonna finish up this mini arc with 1954's 54 five years earlier and i gotta tell you guys you're gonna feel the five years difference if you think this is bad 1954 is fucking insane it's a film called woman's world an executive plans to fill a high-ranking position by interviewing the candidates wives starring van heflin Lauren Bacall and Cornell Wilde. Lauren Bacall being the key figure there that we're going to want to take away. Mm-hmm. But I'm really sorry about this, but you're going to have to watch Woman's World. It is cuckoo. <laughs> so that's next week on Old Movie Time Machine. And until then, you guys, thank you so much for being a part of the program. As always, Catherine, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Shrishma, thank you for being here. Thank you. Carolyn, thank you for making the time and using your computer and recording <laughs> some of the program. My pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) Now over to me in the future. Thank you, past me. And so concludes yet another episode of Old Movie Time Machine. We're just aging like fine wines over here. Uh, Debatable. I leave it up to you. You guys decide. But hey, when you make a decision, please let us know. Write us at partyline at oldmovietimemachine.com. We would love to hear from you. And also, if you want more of this fantastic content that you just received here for free, for two lousy dollars a month, you can go get double-length episodes over at our Patreon. We call it The Boom Room. The link is in the show notes. Go there, check it out, sign up, join the Thornhill level, and get all the inside dirt on these movies. You know, I know you loved the best of everything. Who didn't, right? It was literally the best of everything. It's in the title. So you want to hear all the stuff that was kind of condensed out for this version right here. We talked about every damn scene in this baby. So please go to the Boom Room, sign up. We would appreciate it. We love you guys. It's a fun time over there. See you there. And as for next week, we are talking about 1954's Woman's World. Lauren Bacall, Fred McMurray, and a bunch of other gray white people. I was just looking online to see where this gal was streaming, and it turns out nowhere except uh, I did see it on YouTube. The entire movie is on YouTube for freeze, so go get it and watch it, and we will see you here next Wednesday when we will be discussing Woman's World. And until next time, this has been Old Movie Time Machine. <laughs>